What's going on, Trophy Kids? We got an awesome one here for you today. We're talking the new news and new coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then we're hopping right into the final four matchups, breaking it all down, giving out some picks. It's a good one. Let's go. Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is April 1st. Final Four week is finally upon us. We have Dante back as always to break it all down. How are you doing today? Good, sir. Doing well, doing well. How are you, Nate? I'm doing great. I mean, it's it's been an interesting week to say the least. As I have yeah. said before in this podcast, the NFL is king. It never sleeps. Giant news that we got to talk about before we head into college basketball, which we both okay. know we want to do. But Tampa Bay Buccaneers... New coach, head coach, Todd Bowles taking over. Bruce Arians moving into a senior consulting room job or something like that um, within the front office. Not going to lie, slightly a big fan of this move. I have zero issues with it. I said it last night on Twitter. I'm a big Todd Bowles fan. I think he got the short end of the stick with the New York Jets. I think he did a better job than he's been given credit for with what he could have done there at the time. He put together an amazing defense for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But more importantly... I like this move, if this holds true, that Todd Bowles just leaves the offense alone. He lets Leftwich and Brady do what they want to do there. The rumors, you know, last season that were swirling was Leftwich and Brady would put together a game plan throughout the week, and then at the last minute, Bruce Arians would kind of come in and mess stuff up and add his own spin, and they weren't a huge fan of that. So there are rumors flying that, you know, Tom may have had Bruce... Slightly nudged off to, the edge. <laughs> put out to pasture, it sounds like. That is the feeling. I I think there is some validity to that rumor. Because think about it. Tom Brady is not coming back unless he knows for certain what the coaching situation is going to be. So yeah. f- this isn't happening like out of the blue. Bruce Arians is gone. I have to imagine this was pretty well orchestrated. And due to the timing, there's some weird rule with the Rooney rule so they don't have to actually interview or something so they could just appoint Todd Bowles without having to go through all the interview process because of how late it is in free agency or something there so I feel like this is very carefully orchestrated and that's how we got Tom Brady back where where was Todd Bowles before this I know you said the Jets where was he he was working for Tampa Bay he was yeah he was the defensive coordinator he got brought on um did he have a stop before us I don't think he did he was head coach of the Jets, mm-hmm. and then where was he after that? Yeah, he just went straight to us. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't think he had a had a stop in between us because he was the Jets head coach from 2015 to 2018, came on board with the Bucks in 2019, and is now the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which I like. I, I mean, the defense, he did a heck of a job coaching up the defense to win a Super Bowl against the Chiefs and just stifling that offense. Um, he's yep. a great hire if he leaves the offense alone. That's where I think coaches get in trouble. You know, head coaches that want to put their hands in everything. You know, you got to hire whatever your specialty is, dive deep into that, keep an overarching view of the team structure, but make sure you hire a good coordinator and just go from there. Yeah, makes sense to me. I mean, I like any Tom Brady rumor, but, you know, it also, like you said, there's no way that this wasn't orchestrated from way back when. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. also, I think I should say this because I, I didn't do it at this point. 
you know, huge thanks to Bruce Aarons. The man helped win us a Super Bowl. He led, he got an organization. He took a team that had a lot of new pieces and in year one had them mesh, had them mend, and we ran off of the Super Bowl win. So, like, huge credit to him. Fantastic coaching legacy. Great player at Virginia Tech. Great head coach in the NFL. But it was time to move on with kind of the rumors that were going on. And we saw it. I mean, in the first season, too. They were running more of the Bruce Arian offense. It wasn't working. They went on the bye week, came back, and then that offense of that offense mysteriously started to look like something we'd seen the Patriots running for the last couple decades. So, you know, there's some validity How? to the rumor. How did you manage to sneak Virginia Tech in there? He was the head coach, um, I, I or not head coach, uh, quarterback Bruce Arians. Quarterback, there. yeah, I understand that, but we I don't think we talk about a podcast without bringing up Virginia Tech. <laughs> <laughs> We got to give a shout out to the home home state, even though for the longest time I've despised Virginia Tech um, as a as an organization. But I'm coming around since my brother went was there. That, was that last year or was that the year before last that Virginia Tech's fans were getting in trouble for letting people in the stadium? Um, that's a good question. It was like national I mean, news, right? It's not hard to get in as somebody who's been there multiple times, as somebody who may or may not have snuck in mini rubber bottles of sorts um the security at certain points is very lacking at virginia tech to say the least so it would not surprise me the least but i i don't remember that off the top of my head um but yeah it's exciting news the nfl does not sleep we're gonna at some point i'm gonna hop on i gotta coordinate with my other co-host michael who handles the nfl with me as well we got to do some type of podcast to wrap this whole offseason because this offseason has been bananas to say the least yeah, it's been a little wild. Uh, definitely with still dealing with a lot. I mean, we didn't even talk about, and I guess we can a little bit talk about the NFL coming out and saying that on your offensive staff, you must now have um, a, at least one minority higher. I did see that, yeah. which is interesting. And then a lot of people did um, a lot of news organizations. So I'm not going to give credit to one because everybody just went out and did it. And like, I think as of right now, like 90% of the teams already had that. Like, that wasn't a problem that the NFL had. Yeah, no, that, that has not <laughs> yeah. been the issue. You know, the position coaches, coordinators, things yeah. like that have always been well represented. It's the yeah, head there's coach at least of the organization. One. Yeah, yeah, it's the head coach, right? That's the And those front offices, too, I think that's another thing that they're not addressing. Addressing, yeah, those position coaches, at least every team or at least 90% of the teams had at least one. But when you're talking about head offices, those are still super white not even like you know a lot of times in this country we get into the uh dichotomy of black and white but not even that like just adding more you know underrepresented people in your front office can change a lot for your organization because now you have somebody else in there who may not have the same background probably doesn't thinking about moves um that thinking about moves for the organization that you as possibly a rich white person wasn't thinking about before. So I think that's where they need to make a big change is, is their front offices. And it doesn't necessarily, again, I don't, I'm not necessarily saying hire more black people, although I am saying that, but hire all more, hire more than rich white people and friends of rich white people is what I'm saying. I agree. And the GM spot in the front, I'd be, I don't know the numbers. I'd be interested to see what scouting departments look like. Cause that's where a lot of GMs end up coming from. Um, is what did the scouting process? And we've seen it like, you know, for example, Mia Kimes, one of the mm-hmm. best analysts 
in the game when it comes down to breaking the NFL. She's a woman. She never played the sport. So it gives credit, especially in the front office. Now, coaching could be a little different because I do think there is some credence to playing the game at some yeah. level in understanding yeah. and being able to relate to the players. But when we talk about front offices, when we talk about scouting departments, you know, there is opportunity for people who want to work really hard to understand this game at a high level that don't necessarily have to have played the game. And she is the perfect example. So yeah, I'm with you on that. There should definitely be more diversity in there. Um, and they, you know, as you open your lens, I think there is a lot of pros that come from that um, and being able to see the game differently. And I'd yeah. be interested to see how that goes as we continue. And we'll see what other changes happen, but it, it's definitely that the landscape is changing or there's at least an effort to make a positive step forward in the NFL. Yeah, hopefully. I and, mean, I hate that it always comes on the back of lawsuits, but this correct. is America. So. That's how it works. And we got a new yeah. offense or overtime change too for the postseason. Yeah, so, yep. We're just pushing back the argument of like <laughs> the off- <laughs> offense or, you know, give each team a chance because now every team has a chance. I like the change. I'm a big fan of it. I, you know, they could have gone a couple different ways, but at least there's still the emphasis that defense still plays a role here, but you're at least giving a rebuttal, one rebuttal. And I think if you get yeah. that one rebuttal and you score and then you still can't stop them on the second time around, well, I'm sorry, you're missing half the game. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Also, the games aren't going forever. Correct. There is an end. Yeah. yeah. Unlike college, which yeah. can go forever. <laughs> that Illinois game, man, it was great. It was it was crazy and great all at the same time. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> you can only get that in college. That, that's reserved for college. Correct. That's what we need in yeah. college. The shenanigans yep. is what we need. <laughs> Speaking of college, let's move to the event of the weekend. This is the Final Four. One of my favorite sporting events absolutely awesome environments we're in new orleans this well we are but the final four is in new orleans this year we got the blue bloods there's been some debate about whether villanova deserves to be in a blue blood screw it i'm throwing them in there they're an elite program they have been for a while you know people forget duke stunk until coach k showed up in what the 80s so like they're not historic like ucla or the kansas's of the world or unc so you know let's pipe I down mean, over even there. kansas while a blue blood hasn't won a bunch of titles so no yeah but they had early success yeah. way back in the day too yeah, so early, exactly but yeah. you know this is what the tournament does we want to see some upsets in the first opening weekends but then it filters out and we get some really good teams and I think it's the match of the weekend, the one that everybody's got their eye towards. Somehow has never happened. If you haven't been beat over the head yet, this matchup has never happened. The highest stakes for the highest rivalry, Duke-UNC. The spread is for the over-unders 51.5. And, and I can't even really put into words how I'm going to try to handicap this game. Both these games I'm having trouble with. But these are two teams that have such varying degrees of good and bad. Like, there are such mixtures. They both have very high ceilings, but they both have some pretty low bottoms, as we've seen at times. Yeah. What teams do you think we're going to get showing up for this matchup? How do you see this one breaking down um, and how this game kind of plays out? It is the night game, too, so we get this at the bookend at 849. Uh, is tip-off here, I think. Um. So, this Duke-North Carolina game, my knee-jerk reaction is... Didn't North Carolina just embarrass Duke at Coach K's last game in Cam- Camden, right? Yeah. And there's a part of me that's just like, what stops them from doing that again? Um, also, the other part of me, like, it's hard to be a team three times in a row, right? 
Correct. So there's that too. And this Duke team is not the same Duke team that got beat in Camden Indoor. Uh, that said, neither is this North Carolina team. Correct. This is the part um, that makes it hard is because there's been it's been sort of a roller coaster season where when you look at UNC, people have been saying, you know, no, this team is flying under the radar. They have their best basketball ahead of them. And they've really put that to the test here at the yes. back end. The last 10 games of their you saw that high ceiling, that extra gear that they should have been able to to get into, but they just were struggling to get there. And then Duke on the other end was kind of going down a gear. Their defense was slacking. The effort wasn't there at times, but you've seen them now kind of push that into high gear and the defense has showed up and the offense is really flowing. Like both these teams are playing arguably their best basketball right at this moment, but that has not been the consistent story over the course of the season or necessarily over the last 10 games. Yeah. So now I'm going to have to, I have to do it right. I have to put on my basketball. Um, my basketball cap here. If you're giving me this and you're asking Dante who should win this, the real question you're asking me is, do I believe in North Carolina guards or do I believe in Duke's guards? And I'm going to take North Carolina guards over Duke guards eight times out of ten. That's tough because there's so much talent on that Duke team. Um, yeah. <sighs> That's tough. See, I've been a Duke hater, and I want Coach K to lose in this game. And I love UNC. Like, I'm a big fan of that program. I pull for them every time in this game. It's UNC is the 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 problem I have with them is you have a system that relies on guys like Caleb Love to hit mm-hmm. big buckets in big moments. You have an offense that RJ really has Davis to... too. You you're asking him to do crazy Correct. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right. Against a Duke team that we've seen, even though has struggled in moments in this tournament, has always been able to get a bucket when they needed a bucket. Their guys, it's because they're the most, arguably the most talented team in the NCAA tournament. And they're giving a lot more effort on defense, which has ultimately led them to this spot. I don't know schematically if UNC has it in them. But I do feel like they have the higher gear. Like they have the higher ceiling yeah. when all things are, which is crazy to say because I just said, and it's true, Duke is the most talented team. But I do think there's a side to Coach K sort of on the way out. I wouldn't argue this is his best coaching performance, like schematically strategy. Not his strategy best wise. team either. Right. He bought into the system of a lot of like overload with talent, one and done type of situations. It's tough. I lean Duke. Okay. To we, win. You got to split. I'm, I lean I'll Duke lean to North win, Carolina. but I lean North Carolina probably bet on the four <clears throat> point underdog. If that, like, yeah. if you're that asking me which team am I betting, it's a slight lean right now. I haven't made up my mind exactly, but it's a slight lean North Carolina to cover, Duke to win is sort of where so, I'm at. Here's the thing I'm going to tell everybody to watch. Child for North Carolina has been embarrassed this year, um, mainly on runs. Uh, their defense is not stellar. It's not that it's bad. It's just not stellar, and it opens itself up to runs because North Carolina, similar to a that Baylor team from a couple years ago or last year, um, that they're concerned about scoring, and so they'll trade threes for twos all day with you. They'll let you, and we know that Duke's guards are crafty. They'll get to the bucket. They'll draw the foul. 
And North Carolina really isn't going to care about that. The other thing about North Carolina is um, their depth really isn't there. So, like, if you get a couple players in foul trouble or players getting ejected, which North Carolina is wont to do, then Duke will run away with this game. So if any of those things, any of those things happen while you're live betting, go ahead and bet the other way. Yeah. Is my, yeah. Well, here's the other point, and you bring up a good point, which I was going to kind of bring up for the Villanova-Kansas game because I think it might be a little bit more relatable there, but it's very relatable here. We both know that in these NFL stadiums, three-point shooting has been somewhat of a challenge at times due to the, the background surroundings, the yeah, lights, things like that. And lights. Yeah. Correct. This is a problem when you look at the, the season-long numbers. North Carolina is 86th defensively when it comes to allowing near bat or proximity shot attempts. North or Duke converts at the fifth-best rate near proximity mm-hmm. shots, and they get them up at the 13th-best rate. So if shots aren't falling, if they're having a trouble from three, banging down low is something Duke can do, and you're going to have to have a monumental effort to kind of control that. And that's where my lean goes, Duke mm-hmm. probably winning this game, is just because we've seen shooting, especially in that first, the, the final four games, they adjust somewhat in the national championship game, but that, that first time in those NFL stadiums shooting like that, there does seem at least to be early an issue with nailing those deep three-point shots. Absolutely. And if, if the Tar Heels aren't hitting their threes, then you can count them out. Correct. Done. Because they're not, that's the other thing. Because that's what they needed to get to this point. They've needed Caleb Love to knock down some, who's been streaky at times, to knock down big threes to get them to move on. Yeah, not only that, too, though, is like they don't abandon the three, even when they're bad. (laughs) They continue to shoot. Which was Houston to a T going, what, like one for 23 against Villanova? (laughs) What was that, the Rockets versus... Whoever was at Golden State where they just wouldn't yep. stop shooting. Yeah. <laughs> Good night. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at on this game. I want Duke to lose here so badly, but I it, I think it takes a monumental effort from UNC to beat them again in this spot. Um, yeah. Which is possible. They've shown that their high, especially offensively, is really high and extremely good. I just don't know if they can do it again here. I so if if North Carolina beats Duke, I like North Carolina against Nova or Kansas. Yeah, I agree. If it's Duke that wins it, I think it'll be pretty interesting to see Duke versus either or from the other side. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think this lends us. Do you have anything else on this matchup before we? No, let's let's talk about the undercard. Yes, this (laughs) is the game. I got a lot more thoughts on here. Um, Villanova, Kansas. It's being overshadowed a lot, though. Correct. Villanova, yeah. Kansas. Great matchup on paper up until about 35 seconds left in the Villanova-Houston game, which we'll get to here in a moment. The spread is four and a half. Kansas is the favorite. Over/unders 133. This is a game. Seems like a lot. Where everything kind of changed. Justin Moore injury. We ha- we don't really have a precedent for this where a guy that key to the success of the program is out this late in the tournament. Yeah. Um we've seen injuries like the Kevin Ware come late, but he wasn't as integral to Villanova as Justin Moore is. I mean, Justin Moore has played the most minutes. Um this is a guy that was giving you what was it like I think so far in this tournament he was giving he played, where was it, uh, 
46.6 minutes per game, 14.8 points per game, 4.8 rebounds. I mean, just a huge spot here. Villanova's bench has been utilized at one of the lowest rates this season. They're 323 out of 358. So this is my question, because without the Justin Moore injury, this game for me is easy Villanova, I think, is winning this. I had a future on them for that reason. The Justin Moore injury, how do you go about viewing this game and looking at this game? Does Villanova have enough to beat the Jayhawks, and are the Jayhawks going to be consistent enough to beat Villanova here? So so you insert Caleb Daniels into the rotation, right? Because Justin Moore is gone. Yep. And Jay Wright has to come up with a brand new offense. And I don't care what anybody says. You're just saying, oh, no, you just plug the player in. No, Jay Wright has to come up with a new game plan because Justin Moore, like you said, is such a key piece to that offense. Correct. Um, so the numbers I'm are sure... dramatically different when you look at like efficiency w- with him on the court versus him off the court. Like It jumps from like positive to negative, I think, like 2.5 or something like that. It's insane. And as you said, um, I don't think Villanova has a bench. No. So... It... Caleb Caleb Daniels is the basically the only person that comes off the bench um, for uh, Nova. I think Bill Self here can out can win the war of attrition if he coaches well. I don't disagree. Jay Wright's the better coach, but I, oh, yeah, I don't disagree definitely. with that statement that you just definitely. made. And to your point with the bench, the bench has only played twenty two point seven percent available minutes this season. Three hundred twenty three out of three hundred and fifty eight Division One men teams. Like it's it's not good. But if anybody can overcome it, it is certainly Jay Wright. Um but this is the piece I've been talking about. We've been talking about the Villanova system. It's why I have a future bet on them, which took a major hit with this. This is why I've bet them and picked them to go this far. But Justin Moore is such a key cog in that machine, that Villanova J. Wright machine. To try to replace that is really tough. Even though his advanced metrics may not look that great there's a thing about chemistry and timing and what they have in his ability to to run that that game. I think it comes down to kind of really one thing and that's pace. You know, Villanova plays at one of the slowest paces in the country. They're 352nd in pace. They're a team that absorbs the shot clock. They make you work defensively for every minute. It's one of the reasons, I know we talk about how bad Michigan was shooting, but I think this is, in in Houston and all this, I think that's more credit to the strength and athletic, or strength and conditioning coach. That man needs a raise. I've been talking about it for a little while now because Villanova beats you up. They make you play a full game. They are physical. They absorb the clock. They get your legs underneath you, or they don't allow you to get your legs underneath you. You're tired throughout the game. So if they're able to make this a backyard brawl, you know, you're probably favoring the under, and you're looking, that's how Villanova probably wins this game. But if they do what they've done most of the season and been really bad in transition, which they were better against Houston, but if they allow Kansas to run their transition game, they allow Kansas to dictate the pace, they could be looking at the bad end of like a 12-point beating. Like, it could get ugly quick, especially yeah, I, with Remy Martin playing solo ball and what he could do. I just about to say that. If you don't have, if you only have seven players, Remy Martin on a really good night may be able to beat you by himself. Yeah. <laughs> That's not an understatement either. No. The kid is no. balling right now. And we saw it in that Villanova, or not Villanova, Miami game, where that game, Bill Self made some adjustments. Second half, he came out and was like, Game set and match. Let's roll. <laughs> Remy Martin. Let's go. Also, Bill Self 
well, both Jay Wright and Bill Self are in the hunt for another title, right? Correct. Um, and so these these teams are perfectly matched up as teams who we I always joke about Villanova. Like every time you look up, Nova is in the Final Four. But it's also true of Kansas. Every time you look up, they're in the Final Four, and both these teams only have two or three championships to show for it in recent history. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's that. Now Bill Self has come out and said 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 that. Um, he does not have a chip on his shoulder for um, the embarrassing exit he had last year. Um, but I highly doubt that. Uh, yeah. And um, I think there is a chip on his shoulder for this. For Jay Wright, again, I think, like you said, if you make Kansas play your game, you have a chance. If Kansas runs up and down the court, this would be, this is going to get real ugly real fast. Um, I hate hate that um you know that justin moore isn't playing he should be playing you know injuries have you because i think this game this matchup i'm like you i would have leaned nova but not by much if justin moore was still playing yeah i mean we're probably looking at like maybe a point spread kansas maybe a one point favorite type of deal now we're like almost out to five um which is kind of crazy but yeah no and it what sucks too so much about that injury he's he's 35 seconds away from being in the clear, which just is like heartbreakingly sad. Yeah. And a game, like you said, that they were, they had already won. Yeah. 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 It sucks <laughs> so. on so many levels. Now, here's the thing that also gives Kansas the slight edge, which we, we briefly highlighted in the Duke UNC. We talked about three point shooting in these NFL oh, stadiums yeah. and all that. Kansas is in the top 20 when it comes to near proximity attempts per 100 trips and conversion of those. They're 15th in the amount of attempts they get per 100 trips, and they're 17th in converting near proximity baskets. So this is a team that if they're three-point shooting, which is 27th percent or 27 when it comes to three-point percentage, can really kind of bail them out, especially given Villanova gives up the... Uh, gives up... 46th worst near proximity attempts per 100 trips. So it, that favors Kansas. That's a pretty strong lean towards Kansas and their way to convert near the basket, especially in a game where Villanova, you know, they're ninth in the country at three-point attempts, I believe, as far as the amount of attempts, shots they get up. This is a team that if, you know, they're allowed, if shooting's going bad from far, that can kind of condense the court in Kansas and play really close to the basket and convert at a high level. And that's another edge that once again goes to Kansas, unfortunately, if you're a Villanova backer like myself who has a future on them, which sucks. <laughs> I'm going to make a bold p- prediction and watch it go the other way. Watch it go the the exact other way. That I think if any of these two games, this Nova-Kansas game has the most potential to go to overtime. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, I, and if you're a Villanova backer, I think you kind of want that a little bit yeah oh um, no you definitely want it if you're a villanova yeah, absolutely 100 uh. percent. this is where that strength and conditioning comes from because like perfect example michigan game i i can't harp on it enough like they were outsized in that game it's clear as can be but when you watch them you're like damn these dudes are thick and physical for villanova they are not getting bullied by the bigger taller team and we saw it right around the rim Every basket Michigan had to work so hard for. And I think that led to a lot of 
the missed opportunities on Michigan's part because of just how hard they had to work just to get the shot off. Um, and that's not talked about enough. Like the Villanova strength and conditioning program is a well-oiled, another well, well-oiled machine. And that allows them where if this game goes deep and is close, that does favor Villanova. So if you're a Villanova backer, I think you are rooting for the under and you're rooting for potentially overtime here. And that's going to give you your best shot. Because <laughs> if this game goes over, I have a hard time seeing Villanova being the, the victor there if this gets into a scoring fest. Yeah, I again, if I'm Bill Self, I'm trying to win the war of attrition here. Kansas defense has been great late, right? So through the Big 12 tournament and through the NCAA tournament, their defense has been great. But they still have the potential to show up with the defense that they had at the beginning of the year, which, again, they weren't losing games, yeah. right? It just wasn't stellar defense. And if that happens, Nova definitely has a chance. But it goes back to your initial point. Does Nova have enough firepower with at their star player out and pulling from that bench to uh, take advantage of those opportunities that they may have if Kansas itself gets worn down by Nova's? And it's so weird to say, yeah, get worn down by Nova's offense, right? Right. Um, <laughs> so... Um, I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game either. Um, not if, like you said, not if Nova is able to dictate the pace of the game. And if you're Kansas, you don't let Nova dictate the pace of the game. The other thing that could happen, Nate, and because we've seen crazy stuff happen in this game, somebody could come off the bench for Nova and just have a great night. That's the unpredictable part of this, right? A hundred percent. That is the part we haven't been talking about. I mean, that's what they're going to need. It's tough because the depth hasn't been there. I was trying to search my brain, like, what is the best example? And then I came across the article by um, 538 that did a really good job of breaking down other scenarios in the tournament where we've seen this. And in every example of the team losing a key player, no matter when it was, now Villanova lost theirs the furthest into the tournament out of all the teams highlighted. It took a monumental effort from a guy coming off the bench. And these benches were typically a little bit deeper. The biggest one was the Willie... Uh, Callie Stein in Kentucky when he went down, but you had a five star come in right off the bench and yeah, replace him. <laughs> yeah, all American. And yeah. so it was fine. You know, the Kevin Ware at Louisville, his replacement came in and gave a monumental game. You know, right after that, so it is going to require Caleb Daniels to step up. It's going to require Diakono Jr. Um, to come up and step up, and more importantly, Gillespie is going to have to have the game of his yes, life. Yes, Gillespie has to play. Which me and you uh, both know that's a perfect game well within the realm of possibility that man is a walking bucket in pressure situations he feeds off of that it's i don't know how villanova finds these guys every single year they have one but this man i mean when the pressure's on he's ready to go he's he's locked and loaded getting you a bucket when you need one i am so glad that i am not a fan of any of these teams because there's not like a clear favorite between any of them so every fan base like these these four fan bases are sweating right now oh yeah 100 because there's no cinderella here right there's no mid-major here this is all like you said this is almost chalk without being chalk correct 100 percent correct and it's 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 so difficult at this point because and this is something we said going into the tournament there's not like one or two teams where you're like it's this team versus the field it's such a wide open field. That's what we got here. It's what's making this game like I don't have a bet really to give out right now. Like I'm still going through it. 
hitting at a 78% rate, by the way, Trophy Kid. So make sure you are following our socials at Trophy Kids Pod or at mine, the Trophy Kid. Um, but I don't have a bet to give because, like, it is, it's so up in the air. There's so many different variances with these teams that we've seen. It's really tough um, to place one here. I do think the public's going to come in heavy on UNC day yeah. of. So if you're a Duke backer, I'd look for that. I also think this Villanova line, watch it, because if you want to back Villanova, I think there's a chance it gets out to five, maybe five and a half. Um, so I'm kind of waiting for day of to make a pick to see where these numbers land. But it, you're right. It's 100% right where it's like none of these teams, I think, have a clear edge in all the scenarios we talked about are extremely possible to say the least, <laughs> which doesn't make Absolutely. great content for our fans who are like, give us a pick nope. already, but give us a pick, right? We're not giving you, that's the, that's the trophy kids was built on. We're not having arguments for the sake of arguments. And we're not giving <laughs> bullshit picks just for bullshit picks. Like we're giving you the real information as it comes in, how we see it. And it's tough on this one. There's, there are very slight edges here. I'm about to give an unpopular opinion. Uh, I was very happy watching North Carolina drag St. Peter's through the mud. <laughs> I was I am too, a, prom- a little bit. Once I'm it started happening, yeah, I was like, oh. Um, because I hate, 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 hate Cinderella's. And this does oh, not mean, God. this does not mean, no, no, no. This does not mean I hate mid-majors Cinderella's. Mm-hmm. This does not mean I hate like, oh, this team got a. This was a a team from a G six, and then they had a playing game, and then they go on a run. I don't like like UCLA last year. That's not what I mean. I mean when these teams come out of nowhere, and then everybody hypes them up, knowing that they're gonna run into a wall. What Loyola did, and I like Loyola, so don't let me wrong. What Loyola did, that, that's not gonna happen again. Not. probably not I I think George Mason because I'm from the area like when they went on their final four run like that was awesome like I love I love yeah I love those stories but and I'm a curmudgeon because I watched everybody after Middle Tennessee did that to Michigan State everybody (laughs) be like oh they're about to go on a run they're going to the final four I was like no they're going to get smacked in the mouth the next game and I hope everyone knows it you cannot shoot almost 50% 50% or 55% from the three-point line and recreate that the next night. Now, I will say, uh, for St. Peter's, uh, they uh, a lot of teams underestimated them, and I can't believe, I couldn't believe that. See, that's I what I love. Believe. That's what I love because I went to Xavier, a team that played in the A-10, not the same as St. Peter's, clearly. Like, our operating budget is way better. But yeah. that <laughs> was the best part about Xavier's. We come out of the A-10, everybody would... Uh, underestimate us it's why we're top five in upsets in the ncaa tournament because then we'd sock you in the mouth and like that's the part i love about march madness i love that opening yeah. week now but i don't now want you're them a big east team yeah now we're a big east team yeah. i don't <laughs> want these cinderella's necessary like this like what happened in the final four this is what i want like i yes, want the best exactly. basketball in the final four but exactly. i do love those teams ripping through that first weekend destroying teams who got their hopes up like that kentucky lost even though i had kentucky winning it all like Gave me so much pure joy just to see because it's it's incredible. Like no other sport offers that right now. And I don't mind that. It's the it's the, when the media gets behind them. Okay, when that's we fair. Start. Yeah. yeah, that's when I don't like it. Like a plucky small school getting in the tournament and beating some marquee uh, team. That's what the tournament is about. 
right? Okay. That, yeah, yeah, I see your That's not what now. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I see I'm what saying. you're saying now. You're talking more about the hype, having people exactly. buy into teams. That isn't, I'm also not a fan of that because then there's a lot yeah. of people that buy in with their hard-earned cash in the betting markets, and that's a recipe for disaster. Like, it's a lot of fun that opening week to bet the underdogs. Yep. I think that's part of it. Like, I do it. I've got a buddy who bets literally every underdog money line, like the first two weeks. Um, is his strategy. I think he might even do it now the whole tournament. Like, I get that. But I don't love the... I'm with you. I also don't love the media. We got, you know, that game versus UNC, hyping them up, and then people going in the markets and laying, you know, large amount of cash on them to win that game when it's like, no. so many people on Twitter, like, they're going to... They're going to beat UNC. It's going to be great. I knew exactly what was going to happen in that game. I was like, they've they've played, uh, you know, four teams prior. UNC knows exactly what they need to do. And UNC is so much bigger than this team. And yeah, they just drug them through the mud. This is a nice story. How about Painter? What do you think he was doing sitting in his house watching that UNC game? Being a bad coach. I (laughs) when I tell you, both Fran and Matt, like obviously, like I know them uh (laughs) personally, those are two big ten coaches I cannot stand because they always play. This is again coming from if, if, please, if you're listening to this, this is the Michigan State portion of the podcast. Just warning you. <laughs> Anytime Michigan State is good, them two coaches, for whatever reason, gets their teams up to beat a good Michigan State team. Like we'll be ranked one or two, Fran or Matt will go. And then they get in these tournaments or they get in the Big Ten tournament or they play outside of the Big Ten and they get embarrassed. <laughs> and so I like seeing Matt. Matt Painter can cannot coach in pressure situations. He can't. No. That's, that's it. He should when they get in pressure situations, he should have to turn his clipboard over to his assistant <laughs> or let the coach because man they had no business losing that game. Uh, Zero. That's fair. I don't disagree. <laughs> I mean, I. And it still Fran, blows my mind they did. Fran deserves to be fired at Iowa. To be honest. Oh, that that is continually just the it's so funny. Like I bought into the hype a little bit just because, as I said, the the that side of the bracket, there was just so like it was so it was ripe for just like insanity. But the Iowa hype every single year is just every laughable year. at this point. Every laughable year. They're never gonna he do a to be, damn honestly, thing. He deserve he I don't know if he's a great recruiter, and I don't know if he's He's clearly a decent X's and O's guy, but kind of the same with Matt Painter. It's like he gets under the lights and melts. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't it's true. Know. I don't disagree. I don't know what it is. And then, like, how? Okay. We're going to get out of here. So we got to talk about Xavier, right? Oh, we're, we're right now in the thick of it. NIT national tournament here, or invitational tournament. I mean, this is the banner that matters. I mean, in 50 years, I'm going to tell my grandkids if we win this game. That's what That was the tournament that really mattered. That was for the love of the sport. The NCAA tournament was corrupt. It was all about the money. This was the love of the sport. <laughs> <laughs> it's what really mattered. Um, yeah, no, I mean, we're about to win the tournament that matters in March, um, the banner that matters in March, the championship that matters in March, the prestigious Texas Texas A&M team. NIT. Hopefully. We're, we're losing right now by five, but I have faith. Um, yeah, I mean, it's all up from here. We use this as a launching pad. Sean Miller next year win the national championship and go on a run for the ages. I, I mean, this is exactly the springboard that it's leading up to here. Man, Sean Miller, 
he better come in and do something. I'm so excited. I am so <laughs> excited. Travis Steele also got the Miami, Ohio job, which good for him, staying in the area, getting another job. I like him. Great guy. Just couldn't get it done on the floor. I would not have taken that job. I, I, I mean, the guy's been in Cincinnati for 14 years. I think it was probably like uh, yeah, close not, to home, not, know the yep. region, because it's not that far from Cincinnati, that type of Because you can't, you can't tell me that there weren't, uh, there weren't G six jobs that he could have got somewhere, or at least be an assistant under like a really good coach to like yeah, revitalize, really or a his... coach that you know is going out. Correct. Yeah, to, something right? like that. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, so... I think he just wanted to stay home. You know, recruit a region that he knows well, not uproot his family very far. Um, I mean, yeah. He is not going to play Xavier. I can tell you that. No, God no, no. <laughs> but yeah, I'm very excited for Xavier. We'll see. I mean, I don't really know how to feel. All joking aside, with the NIT, I, I, it's been a war back and forth. I don't really want to hang an NIT banner if we do win. Like, I, I haven't really even been paying attention. Like, I've been loosely paying attention to the NIT. I haven't watched a single game up until this one because it's just like, I don't know. It's just a bummer to see a team that should have been tournament bound that just didn't hit its potential and it's sort of a downer for me yeah i'm not gonna lie maybe that makes me a bad fan but it's just it's a big downer i've got it on right now watching it out of the corner of my eye but yeah <laughs> that's where i'm at i don't know would you would you at michigan state i mean granted oh we're no, comparing we very the, different very different programs yeah, but they may burn the campus down if michigan state was in the I, I think michigan state would be one of the schools like if we didn't make the tournament they would not go to the NIT. Which we did they last would, year. We were like, no, nah, yeah. we're not going. <laughs> yeah, we're not going. Yeah. No, we, yeah, we would burn the, the East Lansing would probably burn. <laughs> if we were, That's and right. to have the audacity to win it too. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, no. I just want to fire off a tweet that we won. We won the only championship that matters in March and see what the reaction is there. Cause technically NCAA happens in April. So. We we are winning the most prestigious championship in the month of March. We'll just say in the that. Month of March. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. That's fair. Yeah. So nah. you won't be buying any. I'm gonna buy if you guys win. I'm gonna buy you and Tim an IT shirt, NIT championship I'm shirt. Burn it on my front lawn. <laughs> we're gonna win the NIT this year. Watch, we're probably gonna lose this game, but we're gonna win the NIT. Then we're gonna win the TBT tournament this summer. Then we're going to come back with Sean Miller and win the national championship next year, and Xavier will be the greatest program of all time. Cannot That's wait. a lot. Have you put a future on Xavier? No. <laughs> no. <you can't> yet. <laughs> I wish. You have to wait. Yeah. Uh, you have to wait. Yeah. We'll see. I'm so we'll excited. See. I think for Sean college Miller. basketball next year is going to look a lot different. Oh, yeah. 100%. I think, well, this year we're seeing, the, which we talked about, we talked about in football, we talked about this, and now the pod's going a little longer, so we'll, we should probably make this our final yeah, thought. Yep. But. <laughs> I said it too. The 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 seniors that came back due to COVID was going to change and make everything way more competitive. And I think that's why we're seeing this year not a true one or two teams mm-hmm. that are just versus the field is because everybody's got really good, experienced guys that got an extra year of eligibility that came back. The programs are a little bit deeper. Like that was huge. Um, for the development. The transfer portal was another huge thing this year in college basketball. Like, I think that's what's made it an even more 
level playing field this year that doesn't get talked about enough. And I thought the same thing in college football because the bot, a college athlete's body, when they get an extra year in the weight room, an extra year in the gym putting up shots, is huge. And a lot yep. of these teams maximize that, especially with the transfer portal and guys leaving for their last year basketball wanting to go play at a bigger program when they've, got one, when they've got a shot that they wouldn't have had in prior years, but they've got it due to COVID. So I think that's what led to a lot of this. Yeah, and now, though, you're seeing the so those guys who were juniors during that extra eligibility aren't taking their, like, victory lap. And so that's why I think college basketball is going to look different next year. I think it's going to be a not a, not a reset because you're still going to have some of those COVID guys around. But I think a lot of those players, those those kids who are juniors when it happened are like, I'm not going to risk it. I can, the NBA pool is kind of open right now for them. Um, talent wise because of this, because so many kids stayed around and I think they're taking their opportunities. So I think we're going to see the trend go younger next year. Not too much younger. I think two years from now, we're going to have some very young teams out yeah. there. hundred yeah. percent agree. hundred percent agree. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Um, as far as picks, I don't have bets, but I, I think I'm going Duke, Kansas is the winners for the final. We'll see if that is, who do we think wins? I guess we should give our, cause we won't report yeah, between if it's, now. If it's Duke, Kansas, I'll, I'm sticking with coach K. If it's UNC versus either Nova or, uh, Kansas, I'm taking UNC. If it's Duke Nova, I'll take Nova. All right, I like it. I'm very similar, but basically, we're saying Duke UNC is for all the marbles, essentially. Depending, I guess, outside of Villanova, Duke, but I like it. That I, I'm with you on that one. We'll ride with that. Make sure you're following us on social media at Trivia Kids Pod for the picks this week, or I should say, bets this week. And as always, peace, peace, nice. <laughs>